0: Contrary to opinion, I do still work here. (laughs) Does anybody remember what book we're in? No, I'm just kidding. I I think I know. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to continue walking through. Um, I did get my daughter married. I did dance. It was amazing the number of phones that were out. (laughs) Hoping that I would trip her or step on her feet. I did make it look like Fred Astaire doing it. It's all I'm going with. (laughs) Cartoons are going. They are starting a new family, blending a family. They're blending a family in a culture that hates what they are. Now, America's never been really a Christian nation. But it has until the 60s and early 70s been a nation that the culture didn't hate who we were. As a matter of fact, you couldn't get elected in this country if you became an atheist or an agnostic or something other than you went to church. But now our culture shifted, and it's not going to go back, and it's getting worse and worse. And so we are now, our value system is now opposed and, and hated deeply. As a matter of fact, if you hold to biblical principles, then you're considered a a bigot, discriminatory, unloving. And so they're going to have to build a family and a home in the middle of all that. I think it's a much more difficult time, but not an impossible time. Now, particularly if you have children, Paul's going to do two prayers in the book of Ephesians. We're going to look at the first one. At least part of it today and then we'll continue the rest of the prayer over the next few weeks but we're going to look at the first part but this is exactly if you're a mom and dad what you pray over your children and you need to be precise and pray biblically over your children I don't mean to throw cold water on some things I know there are many parents that are praying for the mate of their children and that's great except for the fact that God may not want your child to marry there's nothing wrong with being single not a curse it doesn't mean somebody's failed it's a calling Paul's very clear about that in first Corinthians it's a calling on life so you don't want to pray in a way that really doesn't even apply to your children you don't know that but this verse this passage you need to pray over your children every single day it's simple and it's clear so if you're a parent I want you to understand this passage today and I want you to take this passage and pray it over your children because they're growing up in a really hard time. Now, listen to this, verse 15. Now, remember, we've looked at the fact, we talked about the fact that chapters 1 through 3 are about your position in Christ. 4 through 6 are going to be your condition, which is your response to the position. We looked at 3 through 14, one sentence. And now we understand why Jesus said, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You have a triple a salvation god the father authorized it god the son accomplished it god the spirit applies it one god in three persons but that trinity that godhead is the reason you're saved exclusively what they did what that god what he did through those three persons and one god you have a salvation that's why you can't lose it because you didn't do anything to earn it he gave it to you based on The father's decision to authorize it, the son's decision to accomplish it, and the spirit's decision to apply it. And all you do, according to that passage, is you believe in response to that Holy Spirit. Now, as a result of that, now you get some benefits from that position. First benefit Paul's going to describe for you here is that you now have a connection with the father. And a prayer life, if done properly can impact those around you and your family. He makes a prayer for the Ephesians. Either because he thinks he's just doing busy work when he prays, or he actually thinks that his prayer is going to impact this church. So you're going to pray this prayer over your children. If you have grandchildren, you're going to pray it over your grandchildren every single day. You have a biblical mandate here. Here it is. Listen. Verse 15. Because of this, also when I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love to all the saints, now look at what he just said. He said, I heard about the fact that your position has altered your condition and that your position is visible in your life. I heard that. And so I'm excited about it and I thank God for us. Here's the first thing you're going to do. You're going to pray for your children to come to Jesus Christ. You're not going to push them. You're not going to force them. You're going to ask God to let the Holy Spirit speak to them and then give you the intuitive understanding of when they're ready. I really do believe. I meet with kids every Wednesday, and I check out as best I can what they know. When I have a child in my office, and I say, say, have you sinned? And he says, I don't think so. I don't think he's ready. That's about the only thing I'd check out. But I do believe God gives parents walking with Christ an intuitive understanding when their child is ready. So you're going to ask God to bring that to you so that you will know when your child's ready and that it will be a visible alteration in his life. Now, now look at this. He said, I've seen that, and so I don't cease giving thanks for you, making mention in my prayers. Now, here it is. Now, listen carefully. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of glory, Now he brings that in because he wants you to understand that what he's after is that God's glory Reside in this church So when you pray your motive behind praying is not so that you can enjoy your kids I know that's a motive If you have teenagers, it's, it's a motive Let me just give you the key with teenagers If they don't like what you're doing, you are under God correct so you're not praying this so you can have a happy home you're praying this so that God's glory can run through your children now I'm going to end this sermon with a difficult story in a little bit but just understand that so you're praying for the glory of God to reign in your children so here's what you're going to pray listen that he might give to you a spirit of wisdom and 2, and Revelation 3, in a knowledge of Him. Now, let's take it a little bit backwards. He says, in a knowledge of Him. Now, 1 Corinthians 13 says that we're never going to know God as well as we will when we die. We only know Him in part. So what you want, though, is whatever part you can know God, you want that to be the best it can be. You want to know Him as well as you can know Him now. And this particular Greek word is, is not incidental. If you have a new American standard, in the footnote, it'll say a true knowledge. <sighs> when you add, for example, the Greek word here is gnosis. If you add a preposition to the word gnosis, if you add a preposition to any Greek word, you add it, it intensifies the meaning of the Greek word. For example, if you say, uh, we'll just go to, say football in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Last year's national championship game, we had a quarterback in the first half that you would say "balo" in the Greek. He throws the ball. Wasn't good, but he passed it. Then we brought in a guy that I prayed for and yelled at the TV for. Tua. That's the perfect name anyway. Tua comes in. He's epi He's chunking it all over the field throws a perfect pass in the left corner of the end zone 41 yards 27 feet high Walk off national championship. I'm just sharing my heart here. So <laughs> When you add a preposition to the word pass it means he's really passing the ball so when he adds the preposition here he says, I want you to have as deep a knowledge as you can of God, and I want it to be experiential. I want you to really experience that knowledge. So he says, There are two things that I'm asking for, and if those two things occur, you will, at the end of the day, possess a deep knowledge. Of God now you're gonna pray this for your children because you want your children growing up With a clear as clear as they can have before they die experiential understanding of Jesus in their life so that God's glory can be high in their life So you're gonna pray for two things God give them a spirit of wisdom. There's the first thing Now we generally take the word wisdom And We have the idea that you have knowledge and then wisdom is how I apply that knowledge. That is not the Greek here If you have a daughter named Sophie You have this Greek word Sophia, it is a Greek word that literally means the truth itself So the first thing he says is that you pray God give my children a spirit of Absolute truth so they understand what your truth is. Let me show you something Go to the Gospel of John chapter and we're going to travel a little bit today in John and Acts but listen to John 14:26 Jesus said but the paraclete the holy spirit whom the father shall send in my name that one shall teach you everything and shall bring to your memory everything I've told you and then look at John 16:13 but whenever that one comes the spirit of truth he shall guide you in all truth he shall not speak for himself But whatever he hears, he shall speak, and the things coming he shall announce to you. So here's what he says. The Holy Spirit is going to take this book that he wrote. So he's going to take this book and he's going to explain it to you and teach it to you. And then he will allow you to remember it when you need it. So he's going to do that. So your first prayer for your children, God let them have this. Because again, they're living in a culture... But it's opposing them, but that's okay because that's the culture they lived in. We get all freaked out in America because our culture is changing. We're just moving to a Roman culture. And listen, the church thrived in that culture. Because I think sometimes we think the ballot box is more important than our prayer life. Now, I believe in voting, and I believe you ought to vote, and you ought to vote for believers. People that evidence your character and your belief inside this, I totally believe you ought to vote. But I'm telling you, the ballot box is not the solution. Your prayer life is. So you're going to pray because they lived in the same culture. Ephesus was a crazy town. They had one of the wonders of the world, this temple to Artemis, this goddess. And so one day Paul's preaching, and he's having an impact. He's winning people to Christ, and there's a guy that's making little things, likenesses of the goddess, and he's selling them, and he's beginning to realize, because he's a smart businessman, that if Paul leads many more people to Christ, his money's going down. So he goes to the town, and he says, listen, this dude who's messed up every other town is messing up our town. Everybody's going to quit loving our goddess, and we need to do something. So they go literally crazy. Now, think about Think about recent America. Here's what they do. They get a big mob, and they go and they scream for two hours, great is Artemis. They scream it for two hours. Paul wants to go speak to the crowd, and they go, no, no, bad idea. Finally, after two hours, a Roman government guy gets up and says, hey, 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 we're going to be in trouble for this back up so finally it settles down but this culture hated they don't even know what he's preaching they just know it's hitting the pocketbook so they hate him but Paul prays in a way that so impacts this church that they to continue to impact their city we have got to quit being afraid listen to me We have got to quit being afraid of what the enemy may or may not be doing in this world and be sure about who our Jesus is. It is time to quit that fear. Now, so you're going to pray this. I want my children to have a spirit of wisdom. I want God. And this is why. You put them in church and you teach them at home. You take Deuteronomy 6. You give them Scripture because if you do it right and you pray this and God honors this prayer, when they grow up, whatever you taught them when they were little, the Bible says Jesus, Spirit which is in them, will remind them what you taught them. So you're going to pray that God gives them a spirit of absolute wisdom where they know what this says and how to apply it because when your kids leave home, they get out of high school, they go to college, Now listen, all of us in this room, when we leave here tomorrow, we have certain beliefs that will determine how we act tomorrow. Your children, when they leave your home, will have certain beliefs that will determine how they will act tomorrow. Those beliefs come out of only one of two sources. They come out of the wisdom in this book, or they come out of the culture that surrounds them. And your kids face a tough time, because if they believe in a biblical position, in marriage the bed is undefiled, And that marriage is a man and a woman. And that once you make that commitment, you don't sleep around before then. You don't sleep around after then with anybody else. But this particular partner, when you set those boundaries biblically in their life, and they step out here, the world is going to despise them. Listen. Were you going to pray that the Holy Spirit, not your teaching, but that the Holy Spirit drives this deep into their soul. So when they leave, it is this book that is the determining factor of what they do. Now, here's the second thing. Give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, I want you to take a deep breath, okay? I don't want you to leave here and say I said something I didn't say I know y'all. I love you, but I know you. I don't want you to do that, okay? So you want two things for your children. You're going to pray You to pray two things. God, give them a spirit of wisdom. So this book is the driving, determining factor of what they believe and how they act. And then, Father, give them a spirit of revelation. Now listen there are things the Holy Spirit has to tell you that aren't in here that must be confirmed here. Now, before you go nuts on me, because I can see the faces going, I cannot believe he just said that. Hang on. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Go to the book of Acts. Take a lift. Go over to Acts chapter 8. Verse 26. Now Philip is preaching and he's in this big revival. And he's telling the gospel about Jesus Christ. So he's laying it out. So he's preaching. His character fits. So the wisdom is coming out of his mouth. He's got this spirit of wisdom It's coming out. It's impacting. Now watch this. Acts eight twenty six. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, go south. To the road that goes from jerusalem to gaza and then look in verse 29 and the spirit said to philip go and join yourself to this chariot now let me ask you something philip's in this great revival is there anything he can read from genesis to malachi anything he can read anything that would tell him to leave this revival walk to this middle of the road and stand here until this particular chariot comes by. And when this chariot comes by, he approaches in, jumps in the chariot, finds out that Candace, this queen, her treasurer, is reading, ironically, of everything. Isaiah 53, the greatest passage in the Old Testament on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's reading it. He asks him, is there anything in Genesis to Malachi that would tell him, hey, here's what you need to do. Go stand there and wait for this deal. No, the Spirit had to lead him beyond what he read in Scripture, but it has to be confirmed by Scripture. So when he takes an Ethiopian, not a Jew, and he offers him the Gospel, is that legit when you read the Old Testament? Absolutely. How do we know that? How do we know that's confirmed by Scripture? Because when Solomon dedicated the temple in his prayer, he said, "In God, when the world hears how great you are, and they come here, hear their prayer. So it is confirmed at the dedication of the temple that it is okay to offer this gospel to non-Jews. So he's got a direction from the Spirit he can't find in the Word, but that is confirmed by what it says. Let me show again. Look at Acts 13. Slide over there. Now listen to this. It's the church at Antioch in verse 2. They were worshiping the Lord and fasting, and the Holy Spirit said, Separate and give me Barnabas and Saul to the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying and laying their hands on them, they departed. Now, Holy Spirit comes to this church and gives them two names. It says, I want that guy and I want that guy. The Holy Spirit speaks to the church. It says, I want those two guys. They pull them out. They pray over them. They send them on their way. Is there anywhere from Genesis to Malachi you can read those two names pop up? No. The only way to know who the first two missionaries would be would be the Spirit spoke to the church. Look in Acts 16. Look in verse 6. They went through Phrygia and Galatia, the countryside of Galatia, but they were hindered by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Coming to Mysia, they wanted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't allow them. Passing Mysia, they went down to Troas and in a vision at night a man appeared to Paul saying a man from Macedonia standing and begging him saying come into Macedonia and help us and they went now this is amazing because if we're looking at Israel here he's taking the gospel up here if he goes to here it goes to Europe, and it comes here. He doesn't want to do that. He wants to go here, back to Africa. And the Holy Spirit said no. Is there anything you can read, Genesis to Malachi, that says the direction in the world that God wants the gospel to go? No. So there are things in your life. That requires spirit, not just of wisdom, but of revelation. There are things the Holy Spirit's going to have to speak to you beyond this that must always be confirmed by this. Don't tell me that the Holy Spirit told you to marry a person that's lost because you went to Christ. No, he didn't because it isn't confirmed. As a matter of fact, it is denounced by what the Spirit's already written. So you're going to pray for your children that they have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in a full knowledge. And let me tell you. Now listen. We've talked about this before. You and I are not smart enough. To give him the greatest glory. Without both those things being true in our life. Now we talked about this before. And let me ask you something. Right? You're on a mission board. And you got to pick a guy to go to the Jews. And a guy to go to the Gentiles. You got two people in front of you. You've got Paul and you've got Peter. You ask Peter, Peter, how many Bible verses do you know? Three. What language? I don't even remember. He's fished his whole life in northern Israel. He didn't, I, he's probably never been to Jerusalem, maybe once in a while, but he is not a scholar. Peter, do you know any Hebrew? No. Nah. Studied any of these great rabbis? No. Do you know the name of a rabbi where you live? No. It's got nothing. Then you bring in Paul. Paul? How many languages do you speak? Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek? You studied in any rabbis? I've studied in Gamaliel, the greatest rabbi of our day. Are you a rabbi? Yes. Are you a Pharisee? Yes. So you know the Old Testament? And he can practically quote it. Before long, they discover he knows more than they do on the mission board. Now, if you've got those two guys, which one are you sending to the Jews? Don't give me the spiritual answer. You VBS people. Which one are you sending to the Jews? Come on. This is not hard. Paul. Who are you sending to the Gentiles? Peter. Peter. What does God do? He reverses it. Why? Because when Peter preaches in Jerusalem, It blows the rabbis and the Jewish leadership away. As a matter of fact, they make this statement in the book of Acts. They took note that even though they were unlearned and uneducated men, they had been with Jesus. They would never have thought that about Paul. They would have just thought, he's a sharp guy. But they knew Peter wasn't. But now they understand he's with Jesus. So the testimony of Jesus just shines to the Jews. Paul, brilliant what God did. Paul gets on a road in the Roman Empire, and he just goes from city to city. And what he does, there's a synagogue in virtually every city in the Roman Empire. He goes in the synagogue. He's a well-known rabbi. He preaches Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, Isaiah 7. He lays it out. And every time he takes some Jews with him, And a bunch of Gentiles. And they go out here and they plant a church in a Gentile community. He loves the fact that there's just one God they got to deal with. And the gospel explodes. Because God knew exactly what he was doing, but it's not what we would have done. But there was a spirit of revelation that came to both men. You want your children to have a full knowledge of the Father. You want them to live under the objective truth of the Word of God and the subjective leadership of the Spirit confirmed by the objective truth of God. And sometimes that's hard. We have a young man that grew up in this church. John Lee with a single mom. Now, I've known him virtually his whole life. In junior high, high school, you spoke to John Lee. You got like a one-word answer. How you doing John? Fine. I mean, that was it. He marries, has a couple kids and he calls me. We meet and he said, look, I need you to know, I believe that God has called me to be a missionary in India. He said, I want to meet with the deacons to be ordained and I'm thinking, you meet with the deacons and they ask you questions and you've got a one-word, I know, I, okay. I'll I'll take a shot. So we bring him in the deacons meeting. We start asking him questions. And a bunch of the guys in the deacons know him. Had the same experience. He is mind-boggling in the deacons meeting. He's articulate. He's sure. He's confident. His wife's with him. His kids are with him. It's clear that God has revealed to him that's where he used to spend his life. Now, if you're his mom, single mom, you raised him, and this is not a small thing. You're going to watch your grand- grandchildren go to a country. You're not going to see them all that often. And sometimes, if you rear your children and you pray over them a spirit of wisdom and revelation, it may mean God's glory offsets some of your happiness and that's a hard thing to do But it is the best thing to do and she Has honored them in that way in every way can be hard But it's what you pray in this culture and remind yourself Jesus said, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. It can beat Little League. It can beat Junior League. It can't beat God's house. So we pray correctly. Father, thank you. You've given us this great position, and now we have incredible, powerful benefits that come out of that. Let us use them wisely, well, and bless us in that. So that, Father, your glory would reign through our families and through this church. In Jesus Christ's name. The heads bowed and your eyes closed. Never met Jesus. We're here to share with you how to do that. God's calling you to be a part of this fellowship. I want you to do that. If you just need to come down here and pray, as He speaks to your heart this morning, you come.